0: you're young and you're only child you're scared your biggest fear is losing your mother right yeah. so i lost my mother i confronted my biggest fear and i dealt with it so i knew i was strong you know Leah died you know, nobody loses their girl that young but i dealt with it all i know is when i deal with shit that destroys other people i deal with it like a superhero that makes me fearless and also the people i lose i don't be scared to get to them quicker you know i was like fuck it what's gonna happen i'll be with my mom so i'll be
1: with Leah. Dame Dash is an entrepreneur as done by a Harlem Street brawler. He's aggressive, he's mouthy, he's smart, he's a bully, and above all, he knows he's the mother-loving man. He's always a great interview, but in this wild conversation, he opens up about his mother dying when he was a teenager and how facing the thing that he most feared in life and having the worst thing that could possibly happen to him, having that actually happen has led to him feeling liberated. I mean, so much of Dame is this notion of like, I do whatever I want, and I think it goes back to that moment. He also talks a lot about what it's like to live with diabetes and business and so much more. You cannot control a Dame Dash interview. You can only hope to hang on. So that's what I tried to do. As always, this is the Patreon era of Torrey Show. We've got two episodes a week for you now, including a Friday Patreon exclusive for our Patreon supporters for that go to patreon.com/tore show patreon.com/tore show for now it's the man the myth the notorious legend dame dash on Toray show I want to talk about business but mm-hmm. I I am I am compelled to go back to a moment that we had together in the Hamptons, I think you probably remember this. We were out in the Hamptons. I was writing a story about Jay. Aaliyah was there. We were at dinner. You were, like, doing your dame comedy spitting. And you, so whoever had said, come out to the Hamptons, had said, you know, it's the Hamptons. Dress appropriately. So I had worn flip-flops because we're out in Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. And you were telling a story dissing somebody else for wearing flip-flops. Gong flip-flops, right. And I was not really paying attention because I'm trying to peep Jay and Leah for the story and stuff. And you were like – and somebody told, kind of told you like – The writer is wearing flip-flops So now you're dissing the writer You might be embarrassing him And you don't give a fuck And you're like Noticing that I'm not responding To somebody (laughs) else getting dissed For the mistake that you're saying I'm making So you transition the story into What do you do When somebody starts making fun of you Wearing flip-flops And you're at the table (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and it came right into like making fun of me but not exactly but it, it was it was fun I had to laugh because it was funny well, and you know, know once and it's, it's
0: out there you have to <laughs> I, I, I just don't believe in ignoring things so you know I made a mistake so now what do you do so I was that's how I felt so that's probably why I articulated it <laughs> but moments like that happen often in my life where what where you go too far not too far it's just to me not being truthful and not saying exactly what's on your mind that's too far Hiding things is too far. So for me, every single thing I feel, I have no gauge. I just say what I feel. That's true. You know, they you know true. exactly where I stand. I, I just don't think, you know, not telling the truth or not saying what you feel, just internalizing that causes sickness. It's always made me happy not to always regret not saying something.
1: Some people get a sense of, let me not say X because somebody else might perceive it as rude. And you seem to not really care like I'm going to yeah, say nobody's the
0: truth. paying for nothing. You know, I pay for shit. So when I pay for something, I don't have to be nice about the service that I want. And no one understands usually what being a real boss is. A real boss cuts a check, a real boss pays salaries regardless to whether they make money or not. So you can't sugarcoat shit. Because you got to get your money back. If you don't, you can't pay that person the next day. So, you know, I don't like decks that have fluff. I don't talk with fluff. I don't have time for that. I just get directly to the point. And as an adult, and if you're doing business, emotion shouldn't have anything to do with it as long as you're polite. But if you're trying to play somebody, you can't get mad if you pull their trigger and they blast you in your chest. It's just, that's what happens. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
1: I've heard you talk about business a lot and your philosophy. And I feel like, other interviews which have been classic from Combat Jack to Drink Champs, et cetera, yeah. have been sort of all over the place. And I want to get a real codified dame business philosophy. Got it. So, like, what
0: what is it? Flip. You know, you sell something or buy something at bulk and, you know, at one price. And then you just sell it until you make it into double, triple, and you just keep going back. You flip. But your your work has to be good. You know, my business model is to not do anything that I wouldn't do for free. I'm not going to get paid to do anything I wouldn't do for free. And when I do it, I got to be the best at it. You don't have to be nice when your work is good. You just have to know how to distribute it and monetize it and do it on a schedule. You know, it's just like being in the street. You got to know that you got to open up at a certain time. You got to be there every day. You got to brand it. You got to have a certain color top and your work got to be good. They'll line up and they'll take any, they'll tell you, you could tell a person what variation of money to give me, give you when they want your work. My work is good. I don't have to leverage celebrity. I don't have to fool anybody. I can be direct because my work is good. What are you into right now? Television network. I mean, you got a TV network. Yeah, yeah, what stream, else you got? The streaming service. I mean, you know, when someone says they, like, own NBC, there is no what else you have. That's the biggest thing. But me... It's like normal for me to do everything and do everything well. I'm like a superhero to everybody. So I'll direct the movie, I'll pay for the movie, I'll produce the movie, I'll build the streaming service, I'll build my own television network, I'll star in it, I'll have other stars, I'll write it, you know. And everyone's like, that's normal. But it's not normal. No one has a television network. You tell me who has a television network and they own it 100%. As an individual, I don't know of anybody. Nobody. And no one that's in business that is not a face of a fund. You know, there's a lot of tricky shit going out there. People pretend money is theirs that isn't. They pretend they're buying things and they're not. You know what it is to be a face of a fund and to leverage celebrity and to get 10% of it. It's not ownership to me. You know, you still got to look at a board. It's not yours. You know, because you represent a culture and you open the door so another culture can make money off your culture. I don't think that's great. I think that's, you know, helping other people in other cultures keep us enslaved mentally you still have clothing interests always oh, poppington i make everything usually i wear right i mean i made this shirt this is poppington
1: you have music I made these, no, I made these you shirts. have music
0: artists of course i mean what i have in burbank is a five thousand square foot facility i own all the cameras we have a music studio we have a sound stage we have an editing base we make content constantly like music i do it for fun You know, I love music. You know, I don't do it to monetize. I haven't done that in a while. I use it for catalogs so I can leverage it later. I like residual income. I don't think people understand what residual income is. Residual income is when you make money sitting by the pool and you don't have to do a fucking thing. That's residual income. And the only way to have residual income is to have ownership. All of these um, so-called major labels, when they get acquired, they acquire their catalog based on the money that it makes. It's called leverage buying. You buy things, get loans based on how much it generates already. So if something makes $100 million, if something makes $200 million uh, uh, or, or $20 million a year and it costs $200 million to buy, you just get a loan and you know that you're giving back $20 million a year over that many years. You understand what I'm saying? So they give you a loan against whatever the fucking money it is that it makes. You know what I mean? Most business is not, no one puts up a dollar. But that's not my business because then I can't, I don't like being told what to do. I don't own it 100%. I can't pass it to my children. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm a real boss. I don't respect people that don't. Not to say dis, I don't like disrespecting, but if you don't talk to me like a boss unless you're a real boss. If you got a, like somebody telling you you're a boss and you're using their money, don't talk to me like that. That's why I used to get into it with Harvey. I'd be like, dog, you're not a boss, bro. You're a face of a fund. You would get fired. If you get fired from something that your name is on, you're not a boss. You're pretending to be a boss. I don't care if you run a billion dollars. If it's not yours, you don't talk to me like that. Until you put your own bread up, that's the kind of boss language I speak. And don't tell me how to react to things unless you've done it. See, people don't know how it feels for someone to run off with your money because you never gave nobody no money. You've never been a boss never paid nobody so you don't know how it feels for someone to try to rob you why because you ain't got shit that somebody wants to rob you for you understand what i'm saying so unless you are generating and not only feeding yourself feeding other people y'all feed me i feed wheat a boss does not feed himself he feeds everyone else that's what makes you a boss a boss is the one that fights the boss is the one that makes sure the people he loves don't fight that's what i do And that's what I've been doing. And a boss isn't only a boss for three years. A boss is a boss for 30. Whether people like it or not, look at a boss. It's me. So you don't take loans? Oh, I'll take a loan, but that doesn't mean that someone owns me. You pay that back. That's not what I said. A fund is not a loan. Equity, when someone owns your shit and says, look, I own 90%, I'm going to give you 10% so that you can say it's yours and become the face of it. That's not a loan. You understand what I'm saying? Loans come. I don't really take. No one gives me loans, though. I don't. I would take a loan, but you could always pay a loan back. That's still an independent business, man. You're not someone's boss because they gave you a loan. Right. Like if I buy my house and I got a mortgage, it's still my house. I'm paying that back. But if somebody give you money and it's equity, that's their company. If they give you 10 percent of it, it ain't your company. It ain't your money. You got to still ask to do something just because your name on it. That's what I'm going through with the Rachel Royce situation. This whole situation where I got locked up was over business. I could have. Been, I was trying to pay that for years, but the reason why is they put my interest in in um they put my interest um for sale in uh, what do you call that auction? Because she didn't pay the child support. She, Rachel herself, because she's the manager of the company. And I said, all the money that comes in the company, make sure the manager pay my child support first, and then pay me what's left. She, as the manager company, did not pay it. So then I got warrants because I'm in New York. I mean, I'm in L.A. and they did it in New York. Now I'm trying to pay it. In order for them to accept it, they got to sign off. She won't sign off. She never signed off until they raised the money to buy the fucking shit in auction. This whole shit been business. That's why I've been laughing at everybody. Like, okay, wait till it plays out. Y'all going to see. You understand? But they trying to control the narrative.
1: So are you saying that she played it so that you would get arrested?
0: Yes, they all did. But it's all been a plan to get money. It's all been business. Like... Dog, how the fuck could I not pay? You see, I walked into jail and walked out. No one would sign off on it. Like when I was trying to pay for this shit, like I missed my whole son's football season behind that shit. So, you know, again, I, the whole thing was business so that my interest would sell at auction. And you'll get the story later. It's, it's complicated and long, but it's I'm playing a different game that most people don't understand because I'm the guy that puts up his own bread. Who you know that put up $2 million for anybody's movie?
1: Do we, now you're talking about Lee Daniels.
0: In general, I didn't say Lee Daniels. Who do you know in this world that put up two million dollars out the kindness of his heart to invest in somebody else's dream? I mean, the whole I just answer that question. I don't know. It doesn't happen. I'm the guy that makes other people's dreams come true and gets fucking robbed for it because when they think they can't do it, or when I they be like, nobody's done this for me, and then they don't want to pay back. I ain't dissing Lee. I ain't get into that. I'm just saying in general. Look at my character. Look why I'm aggravated. You will not understand because you don't know people that have done these things. You don't know people that have invested in people that just don't invest back. You've never done it. You understand what I'm saying? You wouldn't understand it. Like, unless you was like, you don't know what it is to hit somebody with a pack of work and they run off and then they come back around with a car. But they never paid you back. That doesn't, that can't happen in the hood. But this is what happens to me all the time. And then people wonder why I'm aggravated. Like the thing with TMZ. You saw the deposition. That dude Christopher Brown, only I got arrested because he called the police, so I would get locked up so I couldn't make a deposition for some stupid-ass lawsuit with Brian White and just dude Josh Weber are pretending that they directed my movie. You understand what I'm saying? So then they put me in front of this man the next day. I, I'm disgusted. He's a rat bastard. You had me in jail. And you wanted me locked up for your own agenda. You try to embarrass a black man that's trying to help the community for your own personal agenda, and you trying to rob me of that? And then you're going to put me in a room with this man? How do you expect me to act? I'm human. But no one would understand that because no one knows how to direct 20 pages a day. No one knows how to buy a $50,000 camera, get a lens and use your own house. And then because someone paid this dude, um, Mike Munster, I let him pay for post. So they had the footage. So they ran with it, tried to get a copyright, and put it out. Because for, for, for a short money, people get so much because I can do everything. I'm the plug. I cut off the middleman. But all these people that can't do things, that have no confidence in themselves, they try to run off with packs. You learned in the street, one hundred. These guys here are with me, I guess they went outside. Oh, there's Eric, right? Eric, you don't understand. I'm from 142nd in Linux, right? So people might think my Harlem, my my hustle is a Harlem thing. Harlem is dope, no doubt. But within Harlem, on my block, the code we're cut from, it's just different. You know, honor and integrity and, you know, just treating people fairly and the, the repercussions and recourse to disrespect. Very extreme. But at the end of the day, those are the most loyal, true people I know, no matter where I've been all around the world. It's been about my block, 142nd in Linux. Now, I was born on 109th and 1st, 1199. But where I kind of made my bones, where I became a man, was 142nd in Linux. I was there for, a, a, you know, I guess, you know, 16 to 20 until I got to the music business, what I learned there, I was able to go take over the world with those ideals. And, and what I know is when you're strong, when your work's good, when, you, when you're willing to fight for what you believe in fearlessly, you will win. And the rest of the world has, doesn't see that. But if they came on my block, they see that.
1: We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. hear a feed of episodes from across npr's podcast that center black voices turn on npr today and hear a range of voices as varied as nuanced and as black as we are stories should never be about us without us listen now to black stories black truths from npr wherever you get your podcasts influencer it's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name,
0: Elizabeth Taylor.
1: I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the
0: podcast, wherever you listen.
1: If you love Torre show and you miss the days of me talking about politics on MSNBC, and really, who doesn't? Then check out my other podcast, Democracy-ish, where I sit with Danielle Moody Mills and argue and strategize about the 2020 race from a black and progressive perspective. I hear from Bernie haters, they don't like his personality. Mm -hmm. They don't like how he seems very get off my lawn. And I don't see that, but they see a political Larry David. (laughs)
0: That is the best description of Bernie Sanders,
1: which I don't see. You can find Democracy Ish wherever podcasts are streamed. All right, back to Toure Show. So you were selling on the on the block. That's where you learned your shit. I hustled.
0: You yeah. were hustling. That's where. That's mean. where I got my deals from. 142nd Street in Lenox. It's different than the rest of the world. You know, like if there's going to be something that goes on, it's going to be for a cause, and then they're go- you're going to do it honest. You know what I mean? Like. My man over there, Carlton, he's from the original Lynch mob. He went to jail for two murders. He did his time, came home. But all I see him do is take care of his sons. You know, when I when I know of him, it was within the game. He played it close to the, just within the game. And when he got caught, he did what he had as a man. Because, like, you got to think. A soldier right now will get sent over to another country and kill a kid and an innocent family just because he's told to for the agenda of a government, a a mortal man, and then come home and be celebrated. But if two men sign on to a game and they fight fearlessly to the death because they signed on to that, you know, they go to jail. They're considered, you know, not a hero. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying or justifying or or warranting anything that went done. But when you sign on to a game, unwritten law, you have to abide by that. And that's the creed I'm cut from. We don't cheat. So if you if you get something by cheating, you lost where I'm from. And there's no respect for doing anything without honor. Lying is cowardly. That means you're scared. It's only justified to lie to the police to keep yourself out of jail. But other than that, what I got a lie to you for? I'm a grown ass man. Why are you gonna question? you don't question my word? You know, you could get hurt on that block just for calling somebody a liar. You could get you could lose your life. Cause your respect means everything. Your honor means everything. Playing a game fair means everything. If I walk in that block right now, they don't treat me like a celeb. Some of them be fucking teasing me as soon as I walk on. We're all equal. We're men. We're adults. You know, people just ain't cut from that cloth. They don't know what honor. They don't have no great feeling what comes from really winning fair, integrity. You understand what I'm saying? Like, where's the honor? And I'm in a world where no one has honor. It's all self-preservation and everyone cares only what other people think of them, not what really is. And I'm a guy that doesn't give a fuck. I'm just enjoying life.
1: I get a sense of business vision from you that you kind of are able to look at an industry and say, this is how to move within it. This one I want to be in. This one I don't want to be in. This is
0: how I take over. You know, I was thinking about it, right? You know, I like living on the um, Upper East Side, but they're all co-ops. I'm not going to buy an apartment and still have to ask if I could get in. I'm going to have to buy a whole building. I don't like to fit in, bro. I'm the plug. If I see somebody, I figure out how to have more or better or how to be their boss. And I see, like, what did they do to get that and how did they get that? You know, how are they the source of whatever plug this is? I could do that. And they're not strong. And my army's tougher. Let's go. So that's why I make everything. I make everything, bro. I've made motor oil. You've seen it. I make rock. I I can make, I mean, I put the black keys on. Let's not, not, you know, let's be clear. I've made a, a footprint in rock and roll's ass. I put the black keys on. I did black rock. And if you haven't seen it, Google it. You know what I'm saying? You should know about it. But I've been very relevant. I made records with every church that people don't know about. The Disco Biscuits, Jam Band, like I'm worldly. I'm not just good for black shit. I know more white people shit than white people. I went to boarding <laughs> school. If you look at my, you where's your boarding school? South Kent. If you look at my my IG today, I was walking a dog in the park. And, you know, two, they raining. Two white boys is out there playing lacrosse. Let me see the sticks.
1: No, I know you know how to play. I've seen it. Yeah,
0: I do things people don't. And but I get in the ring with Andre Berto and almost drop him. So I feel like I'm a superhero. I'll cut Kev hard up, no disrespect, because he's back and all that. But you know, I caught him in nugs. He's a comedian that gets paid. I'm going to rip him apart. I'm going to do anything. I'm down for everything. I want it all. I want to smoke anyway. I'm the best at everything. That's how I feel. So I don't have to do what everybody else does. And I don't have regular human concerns. I'm a superhero. I have superhero concerns. So what bothers the average person doesn't bother me.
1: What is a superhero? What are the superhero concerns?
0: Superhero concerns is how am I going to help the rest of the world? How am I gonna fund my whole culture and make sure that they have independence? See, I tried to clean up my whole family. I did that damn near when I was. By the time I was in my twenties, tried to clean up my whole block. You understand? Since I've been in my twenties, you could ask them right there. I have a lawyer on my block making sure they was all right. Because a win for me is always a win for we. Because they protected me, I never had to kill a nigga in my life. You understand? And on a on block where people do that. And I have appreciation for the fact that because I could, you know, I had a you know a fair one and a positive attitude and I could snap, I never had to. People always respected me equally. You understand what I'm saying? Being a fucking authentic person is what people that are real respect. Fake people that are insecure, I'm not here for them. They got their own shit to work out. They're gonna talk about me to distract themselves from the life they hate. So live vicariously through me as somebody else. So if you have fear in your life. Yeah, live through Dame Dash. If you want to fit in, then there's some other people you can live through. You understand what I'm saying? How did you get this my battery block? in your bag? My block, halfway second, you made me fearless. Everybody's a joke to me. You ain't from my block. <laughs> I promise you. Like you know, it just things are different where I was from. Just for that, and I again, I'm not tough. You know what I'm saying? I'm not this gangster dude. It's just I just sort things. I, I appreciate life. And I know what brotherhood and camaraderie is. I know what respect is. I know how it yields. And then I also know how it feels to help other people. It feels good. It feels good to come back around my block and I give them dirt bikes and just be like, yo, and, and do, a, do a basketball program on the block. The first place I went to when I got out of jail was to my block. Because the only place where I feel people are going to be real with me.
1: That's a good point, but I don't think you're souped up, but you have an attitude that tells you I'm the man, I can do anything,
0: and not everybody has that. How do you get into a ring thinking you might lose? I don't get into a ring thinking I might lose. That's the law. What does eating healthy mean
1: to you? From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now.
0: Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the ring, I know I'm a win. I'm prepared. I'm good at whatever I do. I ain't getting in the ring unless I'm going to get that W. So, you know, to me, life is easy. I've been getting money since I was fucking 19. I've done everything everyone's dreamed about doing. I've been a hip-hop mogul. I am a fashion mogul. I've done so mogul. I'm doing television network. I do art galleries. I do shit for fun. I'm a rock star at 49 because I feel like it. You feel me? Yeah. I'm having a ball. You know? I love my life. I'm having a ball. It's, like, it's crazy. <laughs> What's
1: the hardest thing you ever you overcame?
0: I just look at life as lessons. You know, there's no losses. There's nothing been hard. I really, I've generally, you know, I've gone through everything that everyone else, go, governor. The hardest thing is not seeing my kids. That's the hardest thing. Raising my children has been the hardest thing because I don't get along with their mothers ever. And so, so as long as I got money, I'm a target to people that are emotionally scarred by me. It's the only way they think they can hurt me, but they use the kids sometimes and I don't get it. But that's the only thing. I'm missing time with my children that I should have. And they're not growing up with the same ideals that I have. And that's a problem. So actually, most of my conversations with my boys is how the fuck do I teach my kids to be thorough like 142nd Street without having to be so tough? Because the purpose of me going through what I've been through is so they don't have to be that tough. But I do want them to be thorough to the respect or or to the extent that they have respect, you know, that they understand what loyalty is. But they don't know what that is. They don't even know how good it feels to be loyal, to, to really, you know, believe in something and to fight for something and to make sacrifice like you know for me it's like no pain no gain you know you burn while you learn like my business is everyone always says I'm broke because I bet it all every time you know you have to the only way I can learn about a business is to do the business and I don't have no time for somebody to teach it to me I teach myself just by getting in
1: the game you talk about people being emotionally scarred by you and I don't want to talk about specifically about women but you have you were always known for being rude
0: and brash not and rude honest you want to say you know what the thing that bothers me about that What it is, is again, if you pull someone's trigger, like people try to smack me and don't like the fact that I punch back. So you might do some slick shit, try to rob me. And then when I punish you, it's just like yesterday. Somebody calls the police on me and they're going to put me in front of them. Yeah, at least I can't do nothing It wasn't just about
1: trying to rob you. Like, especially when I knew you in the music business. You called out people who you just didn't like. Not because they, they were robbing I you, didn't but, like
0: them because they were robbing, trying to rob us or the culture. So if you were like not playing a record because you didn't like us, or if you weren't playing a video because you didn't like us, or if you were trying to sabotage a deal because it was only for your best interest and not the artist, yeah, then I punish you. I'm not known for being rude to anyone that doesn't deserve it. What I'm known that's for- That's your thing. That's your thing. What that's, I'm known for with thorough people thing. is being thorough. What I'm known for- Does that for, get you in trouble though? What g- trouble? That, I, I don't know. I'm a boss, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know, trouble is all relative. Jail's trouble to me, but what can somebody? No one can fire me. What trouble could I get? In? As long as I'm not going to jail, what trouble can I get? It like no as lo- like if if I was worried about someone firing me, that's trouble. But get right. the fuck. You know, I I would love someone to try to fire me. The thing this dude Mike, he's like running around saying he hired me. It's like hilarious. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> Mike. Uh, whatever this dude's name is from Chicago it's like nigga you can't hire you can't fire me you know what I'm saying but it's funny because I know how I used to frustrate people by firing people I'd be in the airport they piss me off i am be like oh, you fired and they'd be so mad or lawyers that I haven't hired like when you interview them I'd be like I'm gonna fire you now you're fired you can't fire me you're fired you didn't hire me you're fired and they'd be so mad I always fire people they can't fire I, me
1: I didn't know uh, until I started researching for this that you have diabetes and you've like been um, you know, I mean, you've been dealing with that for-
0: 15. Type 1, so I'm 15. Everything I've done great, I've been doing diabetic. And I started the Dame Dash, um, or rather, uh, Dash Diabetes Network just to showcase, because I'm a, a 1% of diabetes, meaning I have the best innovations and the best medicines. And, you know, so as I get hip to things because of where I'm at, I want to make sure everybody else, like one out of every three people is going to have diabetes in the next five, six years. You know, because of what we eat and the preservatives and everything, we it's the number one cause of cancer uh, and diabetes is meat. And you know eating things that aren't health, that 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 are GMO'd and preservatives it makes your cancer cells a lot stronger, and it makes it where your insulin count you know too much carbs in your body insulin doesn't produce enough. So I'm type one, not the type where you could drink tea. And I love Dr. Zebby and all that, but I haven't seen one type one say they could be cured from tea. It would never happen because at the end of the day you have to. Su- your, your, what type 1 means your, your pancreas doesn't give any insulin. So if you put anything in your body, it turns into a carb. You wanna always have to put insulin in There's nothing you can do about it. You could make it where it's not a lot of insulin. But, I mean, once you have a needle in your leg, one unit and 10 units feels the same. You know what I mean? So it doesn't so, matter.
1: So, so what do you do? What do you, how does it shape your life? What do you do differently?
0: What do you mean? I have to test my blood all day. Not Well, now I have a Dexcom. I have to take insulin every time I eat. You know what I mean? I get lows. Like I have to make sure I have candy around me all the time. You know a lot of things I have to get my eyes checked every couple of months my teeth everything' it's it's a, it's a fucking twenty four hour disease, but I'm used to it you know actually, what happened was I thought I had something much worse, so I appreciated getting it you know what I mean you thought you had something weird. what did you, you when I, I i you know when I'm fifteen, I just started losing weight and and you know going to the bathroom and shit so I had a car I was getting money you know I was sexually active, and you know magic had oh, wow. just got diagnosed with that thing, so I thought I had it yeah. so I was scared to go to the doctor and even in school they were like, yo Dame lost you know he looked crazy. They thought I had that thing. So I was scared to go to the doctor. And when I finally went, and they were like, nah, it's diabetes. I was doing backflips. like, (laughs) Because when you feel terrible for like two months and you think you're going to die, if somebody tells you all you got to do is take one shot or a couple shots a day and I'm going to be all right, I'll take that all day. So it's almost like one of those things where I was like, God, just give me another chance, bro. I'm going to tear it down. I promise I'm going to be a good nigga. And it's almost like the diabetes probably made me have such an appreciation for life. Because when you think you're going to die young and you don't, you, and you, like, come back. It's almost like my friend Tash, who's in the band, the guitar player. Yeah, he's dope. He, he's the best. And, you know, a couple of years ago, he had a, a, a he was in a cab, and he was in a car crash. A cab hit him, and literally me and Rocky seen him with half his skull out, his tongue out his mouth. I'm looking at his brain. And, you know, it was like, damn, I know how dope he is as an artist and also as a friend. I'm like, you know, damn, I lost Biggie. He was a friend, but also I knew what the world had in store. I lost Aaliyah. I'm losing another great one. A friend and the the world's not going to see this dude. And I almost mourned him because they said he wouldn't be able to wipe his ass for three years by himself. And three Mm. months later, Mm. he was playing that guitar. He walked in the gallery, you know, at the gallery in Poppington downtown. And he walked in with a Band-Aid on his head, and I started crying, you know, because I was like, it's it's like my friend came back to life. It's funky as hell. And then he got better, so it's like there's no wrong he could do. I just appreciate like a biggie. If I could get a chance to just hang out with Biggie again. You know what I mean? you I, couldn't make me mad. I'd just be happy. I don't care if we don't sell a record. I just want to jam out with him. you talk about the last time, the last time you talked to, to Big? Biggie? Shit, I don't even remember, man. I remember we were trying to convince them to come back because <laughs> they were in L.A. too long. Yep. So we were like, what are you doing out there? Y'all bugging. You know what I'm saying? So that was like it was like phone conversations. And, you know. But again, my point is, if you have a chance to hang out with someone that you thought was gone, you appreciate every second. No doubt. So my point to all of that was, you know, when I thought I was gonna leave because I knew that yeah. I had another life. It's made me, I think, appreciate life on another level. It's like I lost my mom's young. A lot of people I died in front of me young. I got diabetic young. How so old was your mom? Pardon? How old with your mom? How old was she? No, how old were you? 15. So I believe all my fears got confronted at a fairly young age. You know, and it's crazy because my mom died. I was on 142nd Street, sitting on the block. You know, I felt her die. And the next day I was out there. It was like that became my family, but my point is I felt the pain it made me fearless when you feel pain early, then you know how good life is you know I see people the, crying for nothing I'm like, you ain't you never felt no death you've the, never been the, to jail the, the di- stop crying the
1: diabetes and and dealing with your mom that made you fearless yeah that you're like I felt this low nothing can hurt me now
0: that I was scared that I was gonna lose my mom like that when you're young and your only child that's just you're scared that's the your biggest fear is losing your mother right yeah. So I lost my mother. I confronted my biggest fear, and I dealt with it. So I knew I was strong. You feel me? Yeah. You know, Aaliyah died. You know, nobody loses their girl that young. But yeah. I dealt with it. All I know is when I deal with shit that destroys other people, I deal with it like a superhero. That makes me fearless. And also, the people I lose, I don't be scared to get to them quicker. You yeah. know, I was like, fuck it. What's going to happen? I'll be with my mom. So I'll you, be with
1: Aaliyah. Can you talk about the last days with Aaliyah?
0: Yeah, the last days with Aaliyah. I was in Miami. Telling her, don't fucking do that, 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 don't do that, uh... Video. That vi- no, well, I went to the video shoot, and I was hype, and I was like, don't let hype extend the video, he does it all the time. So we was like, I was like, don't do it. Don't let him do that, he's just spending your money. And you know what happened. So it's almost like right now, actually our last correspondence was, she was on the uh, the Blackberry saying, I don't like the plane. So I was like, don't get on it. On the way there. Thanks so
1: much to Dame for an awesome interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers on Patreon, Britt, Jerry Michael Smith, Marcus Harkis, Noel, and Sam Montez. Join us over at patreon.com slash Show for more from Dame and an extra episode every Friday only for Patreon subscribers. Toray Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Show. Touré show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garofano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. And our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and also on Wednesday with more amazing people because the man can't shut us down.